So we've been talking about doing this for close to a year now. So this is Ellen and Steve. We will be doing this recording thing um, for a one-on-one -on -one game that Steve has decided that he would like to run. And since it's at the beginning, it would be a good thing for us to record starting there. But before we actually get into the nitty-gritty of playing the game, we thought that we would uh, talk a little bit about what we're doing here. So, what we're doing is I'm going to be the only player in a Star Wars game in a world in a corner of the galaxy that Steve has fleshed out. So, I'm going to let Steve talk a little bit about how he created his contributions to the Triteri Sector and go from there. Alright, so, well, we've been playing this game, Ellen and some other people, some other groups, for years and years now. Um, the original game started in 92. Uh, 1992 with the second edition of the then West End Games uh, D6 version of Star Wars uh, role-playing. We played for a little bit when I was in high school with a group of friends. We had already been a group of adventurers in Palladium Fantasy uh, for what as good as that was. It was a great game, but I uh, don't know about the system. Anyway, uh, we played that for a little bit and never really went much beyond probably a half a dozen game sessions, but I liked the game quite a bit. I wanted to keep running it. I'd been a Star Wars fan for years, uh, more than a decade at that point, so I wanted to continue with the game. It wasn't... Ellen mentioned the Triteri Sector. It was basically a setting that I'd created within the framework of the game, within the framework of the setting, but that hadn't really come to being so much until another group came about after I had graduated from high school. I had some friends that got together. They were nice enough to let me run my Star Wars and we played for quite some time. The idea of Triteri Sector after that game, because I, I'd used a bunch of the supplement material that was in the books produced by West End Games and we had a good time. I had a storyline going. Uh, I did kind of pattern them after the movies. There were episodes and the names of the episodes. Each one had an opening crawl. Um, however, sadly, I never really took great notes. Um, so that was something that had been in my head for quite some time. However, most of that information and ideas of that campaign have been lost to the ages. Then the third incarnation of that game with that became the current uh, storyline, so to speak, started with a character uh, called Grek and Varen, 
and blossomed uh, into a group that played for quite some time. Uh, Grekin Varen was a Jedi pilot, and we had a friend playing a Wookiee, um, almost enforcer, brawler, um, named Charbaka. Chewbacca's cousin. Yeah, yep, yeah, and <laughs> Chewbacca's cousin, yes. Uh, we had a rogue pilot, uh, Kendarik, and Ellen played a communication specialist, uh, rebel, uh, from a wayward planet, uh, and her character was Morgan Trechke, and eventually another friend had decided to come to the game, and he played the special forces extraordinaire, uh, known as Trent Thycrate. Uh, that campaign actually was the the building blocks, the the real nucleus of the setting that I was creating. Um, we had played so much that a lot of the NPCs, a lot of the places started to be recurring. The name Triteri Sector uh, became a thing as uh, we just kind of went along. Once again, that story was based around episodes. The whole story uh, was based around a ability of the Empire to use Sith sorcery to control minds. Uh, it was kind of a plot that was running parallel to the super uh, weapons of the Emperor, the Star Destroyers, the the Death Stars and the like, and the campaign ended basically around the time of the end of Return of the Jedi, where our characters were taking on what was called Sovereign Station, and they were able to defeat and destroy the station, which was kind of the the catalyst, the the base for the brainwashing technology. Sadly, uh, our one of our longest running heroes, Grek and Varen, um, fell in the confrontation. However, the rebels, the heroes, were able to save the day. Uh, Ellen's kind of given me an odd look, so what uh, What do you got to say? I thought that it was right before the beginning of Return of the Jedi and the destruction of Sovereign Station helped with the end of the war. Like, it wasn't concurrent with the end of the war, but it led to helping with the end of the war. The attack on Sovereign Station was only days before the conflict at the Second Death Star. Oh, okay. So that's where uh, it kind of ended. By that point, we weren't using West End games anymore. Uh, I have a problem with new shinies. So we had gone through the iterations of the new games that had come out. The D20 version. Not really sure if for that campaign, I think that campaign kind of ended on the D20 version. Then we kind of tried to start it up with some of the other versions and different people. The original, that original group that had played for so long, many years, 
um, had kind of, as adults do, kind of gone our separate ways. Uh, Ellen, had, being my wife, has always been kind of a mainstay in that game. We tried to kind of start it up with various groups, and it just never really kind of hit its stride. Uh, we have played it in the Saga Edition. We've played it in the new Fantasy Flight uh, Edition. But if we're just going to kind of do a one-on-one -on -one thing, maybe in the future, uh, having a guest star or, or something, a friend kind of maybe reprising a role or a friend uh, making a new character, um, it just seemed to me that going back to our roots, the using the D6, since it is, in our opinion, I don't think just my opinion, is a simple system to pick up. You roll some D6s, you add them together, and for what we want to do, we just figured that that was, and I just figured that was kind of the best instead of using, for example, the Fantasy Flight system, which is... A robust system. I do enjoy the system. The books are beautiful. However, uh, it can get kind of crunchy. You can start to need a bunch of books uh, at your table to get everything down. And so we decided to, if we were going to start this and go for any length of time, that the D6 game, the West End Games uh, version of Star Wars was which the one we wanted to go with. Also, I don't like game systems. I know that sounds really counterintuitive to actually enjoying playing role-play games. But as we've gone through the various iterations specifically with this game, and then one other game that we played for a long time went through about three different iterations where I had to make the same character three or four times. Um, this one, Morrigan when we switched from the D20 system that it had originally been translated from the West End games to modern D20 slash D&D, when that big push happened, it had been translated as one of those books. Um, when it translated from the old D20 to the Saga edition, which kind of was a precursor for 4th Ed, I think. Um... <clears throat> But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But when I made that translation, I literally cried in frustration as I was trying yeah, to... Yeah, the Saga edition, yes. right? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that sounds silly, but it's so much math and so many things to worry about when you have an already established character and translating it from one system to the other. Things get lost, things need to be added. Um, going back to the West End games actually is pretty simple. I was pretty much able to make my character by myself. It, and uh, actually for someone that knows the West End games version, uh, once again we had played for years. And I kind of wanted to put it on a, on a playing field that we could understand where her character was at, and if, for example, we had guest appearances, what they would need to do to kind of be a comparable level of character. So for anyone that knows the system, she made her character as a base character. She had references to her old character sheets, 
but she made her character as a base character, and then I said, go ahead and add 200 character points to your character. And yeah, she's she's a pretty potent character, but uh, I will say that 200 points doesn't go as far as you would think it would. Um, but she is still uh, pretty well-rounded, and I think we'll, we'll do pretty well uh, in the stories uh, to come. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the iteration of the game that Steve was speaking of that involved Morgan Trotsky, Grakin Varin, Kendarik the Devaronian, and Charbaka the Wookiee actually started in 1998. Um, that... Yeah, I was actually kind of resentful that we started playing the game because the first night that we were supposed to play was the first really nice day of the year. And we were planning on being inside. <sighs> yeah, I just wanted to not be locked inside. And then I ended up playing Star Wars for close to five years, I want to say, but I'm not positive on that. Um, we're not actually exactly sure how long this game ran. Um, I do know that the gentleman play, who played Kendarik, the Devarunian, the smooth-talking pilot, um, left our group about three years in, and then we probably played another year and a half to two years afterwards. Until the end. And then I will say that uh, this Star Wars game was the... Probably the only, maybe there was two, but I think this was the only game that I went from start to finish and was able to do the stories I wanted to do the story. So it is, uh, I don't know if we will recapture that magic with this, just the two of us, but um, we really hope that it will be fun for us. Maybe fun to listen to. I think that's kind of secondary for our, for our thinking, but we'll see how it goes. Um, so, to give a background on the specific campaign that we're getting ready to start, um, Morgan Trechke comes from a world called All Marsh, which, funny enough, is a marshy world. <laughs> well, it is Star Wars. <laughs> With a very large city built on spires, sort of reminiscent of a poor man's Coruscant. Um, it is a hut-run planet on the outer in the outer rim in the Tritiri uh, sector. Um, Morgan is the is an orphan kid who has been raised by her older brother, who is the leader of a minor swoop gang. Um, in Almar the dragons, City. you called it. Yes. The dragons, yes. In Almar City. Um, and I have two brothers, one older who raised us and one younger who was quite a bit younger than the both of us. Older brother's name was Gage. I actually don't remember the younger brother's name. I feel bad. Gabe. It was Gabe, wasn't it? Yes, it was Gabe. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Gage, Gabe, and Morrigan. Morgan. Yeah. Uh, your mom really wanted to change your name, I guess. Uh, so, 
Um, so there's my background. Grekin Varin was an Imperial pilot who left the Empire to pursue his Force sensitivity. I kind of, I think, I kind of see him as a little bit of a mashup of an early Han Solo turned into an older Luke Skywalker. Okay, that makes sense. Actually, <laughs> it does. Um, he escaped with his astromech droid um, Ari, but I don't remember his designation. We call him Ari. Actually, he did not escape with Ari. He found Ari later. Oh, I thought they left together. No. Um, so Not that I can his, remember. What was his designation, though? Uh, Ari was a failed attempt by the Empire to kind of make battle droids, uh, pilots. They were astromechs R2-E3. That's what I call them, sorry. R2-E3, and then his name designation was Ari. He had gotten... His ship had got, his tie had gotten destroyed in some battle. Pirates came along, salvaged him. Ari was a pirate for a little while, got a large scar on his dome that he's very touchy about. And through hook or crook, then encountered Grek and Varen and become basically his R2, his his droid companion through the campaign. Um, then we have Charbaka, who was... Oh, well, I'm sorry. Finishing up Greg. <laughs> he met Aline Taylon, and... Um, One of the characters from my original game in high school. Who was a Jedi Knight, and sensed his Force sensitivity, and he began training. By the time Morgan became... A subordinate in the in the rebellion to Greg because Greg was like a captain or something. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. um, At the very least, a leader of your group. Correct. Um, he was well on his way to being a well-trained Jedi Knight. He wasn't well for the time because we're in the rebellion era. So, who knows what that genuinely means? Also, we were before relatively the pre. We were. We were before the prequels at this point, so all we knew was the movies, the three movies, and then the flavor text from West End Games. So he was well on his way to becoming a Jedi Knight, but at the time it wasn't as well defined as it is today. So um, he began actually training me because I didn't have force sensitivity with zero training. Um... So that was Morgan and Grex's connection. And we were both in the Rebellion as we started the adventures. Yes. We were the only two who were, if I remember right. Charbaka, I believe we rescued. I think that Probably. was our first adventure, but I'm Probably. not positive. Charbaka was a Wookiee who was a slave captive to the Empire. And during one of our adventures... Probably the first one because it's a good way to get everybody together. Um, we ran across him and set him free. I don't remember exactly what we were doing in our first... I remember I shot a Rodian. Other than that, and that dark side point stayed on my character sheet for years. Right. Um, but other than that, I don't remember a whole lot because it's... 
as Steve says, note-taking is not necessarily everybody's strong suit. I've gotten much better over the years, but I don't have my notebooks anymore for Star Wars, so I don't remember the exact thing. It'll be good we're recording these. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he was a slave slash captive of the Empire, uh, much like his cousin Chewbacca was, because we, again, only had the movies and some books to kind of go on for Wookiee culture. And remember, pre-Solo. Yes. Um, so, um, we ran across a extremely smooth talking, very good pilot who is a Deveronian. If you're not sure what a Deveronian is, look it up. They're interesting looking. They are devils with sharp teeth and horns. I don't think they have tails, but they could. I don't know. They don't have tails. Cloven hooves? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, Ten toes on each foot. Really? No. <laughs> okay. Well, that would be an interesting little... Anyway, um, he was a smuggler who had a very high negotiation um, skill. I don't know if that's technically the name of the skill, but like negotiation, persuasion. He could sweet talk his way into a good deal. And he was very, very good at flying his ship. Which, the flashback. Yes. <laughs> um, pretty much once we all met, we were like the group. The Leia, Han, Luke, Lando. The rebel cell that they had as the number one group to go and take care of any situation that the rebel alliance in the area needed to take care of. So through the course of the game... We developed friendships, etc. Um, we had met previous characters of King Horn. I can't remember his first name. I remember his son's name, obviously, but yeah, Daylorn was his son. I think I do have notes on his name, like Deveros Lorne or something like that. But honestly, at this point. I'd have to look at the notes. I don't have that right here. So we met him and his wife, um, who ruled over, well, were elected, even though they were king and queen, to rule over cat people. I can't remember what. His original wife had died, and his second wife was actually the daughter of the queen matron of a race of near-human felines called the Kothlians. And he had married her. They had had a child. This did not sit well with the oldest boy named Cain Lorne. And he had left in a huff. His second son, Dade Lorne, had become quite high in the family business. The family business was Star Corporation. It was a scouting expeditionary force slash uh, security force, um, kind of like a Blackwater uh, for the Star Wars universe. Um, and Dade had become quite high. They had actually met Dade while 
he and his ship, a Karelian corvette by the name of the Pontango, uh, was investigating some imperial activity that was shady as all imperial activity usually is, and they became fast friends. And a Earth, erstwhile uh, love interest with Morrigan uh, until the fateful day that Dade basically took his life to save the group uh, and destroying a very uh, evilly recurring captain and a star destroyer. But that is a long story for a different day. Um, we also, yes. <laughs> um, we also met, <sighs> names are escaping me. But I remember that the Twi'lek was named the Philly, or the Philly, Don, or. Oh, there was a group um, that, the, the second main group of the campaign that I ran, um, the, between my high school game and the, I guess for lack of a better phrase, current game, uh, there was a group that was... More kind of, if you want to say, Edge of the Empire style. There was a character called Throbaka. Uh, Throbak, sorry, not Throbaka. Throbak, he was a near human. Um, the person playing him just wanted to kind of not play human, but not something too far off. Uh, he was a smuggler. Their ship was called the Fates Run. And his co-pilot, Wookiee, because, you know, Wookiees are always uh, great co-pilots, was a female named Nefrilli. And another friend of ours at that time was playing a Twi'lek, 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 however you wish to pronounce it, uh, named Keen Ferron. And that was actually the original group that Grek and Varn was a part of. So we, we've met all of them. They're all established NPCs. Throughout the course of all of this, we're finding out more and more information about how the Empire is utilizing Sovereign Station and the rumors surrounding it because we don't know the location of it. Various different um, strategic break-ins and hackings. Uh, because I was a computer specialist, because that was the first thing that I said to Trek Thycrate when he joined our group. <laughs> <laughs> uh, various different uh, hackings and strategic... Uh, Infiltrations, fights, gathering information, trying to root out spies from the Sovereign Project... Trying to elude, uh, there was the, the main the main bad guy besides the Empire, of course, was a concept. I mean, I didn't want to use Darth Vader. Didn't want to really use the Emperor. Yes, they were in the world, in the setting, but you know, Luke and that group is taking care of those people. So obviously, being West End Games, they left it open for other dark side users so mine was the high guardian the guardian of the imperial ideals and 
It was actually the twin brother of Aline Talon named Jordan Talon that was head of the Sovereign Project. So, kind of our Darth Vader, he would come in, harry the PCs for a little bit, they would fight him off, and recurring NPC, recurring bad guy uh, throughout the campaign. So, um, as we were doing all of this, Kendark, uh, the Deveronian, helped, but he was, as far as I remember, not ever officially a member of the Rebellion. He just helped us get from one place to the other. Yeah, I think he was pretty secure in his, I'll help you guys out, but I'm not on the payroll unless I'm getting paid very well. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so he opted to take the flashback and another ship that we got, and I can't remember why or how, but it was a pretty large ship. You guys had entered a race. It was the race. It was the price for the race. Okay. Thank you. Um, he had taken the flashback and I don't remember what he named that other ship. The lunatics run. The lunatics. So now he had a fleet. And he wanted to have his own um, trade ring. Yeah, like a smuggler's group. Smuggler's ring. Yeah. Um, and he opted to take that opportunity because we were at the end of an episode. Because our first episode ended, he stayed with it. Our second episode ended, and that's where he opted to take his leave. Because it was a good time for Kandarik to go and do his thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Kandarik is floating around out there. I'm probably really mad at Morgan because I took a droid that he really, really wanted. Oh, um, yeah. It was an old medical droid uh, from the Clone, War, Clone Wars era because at this time, Episode 1 has come out. So, now we know what battle droids look like and how things work. And I like saying Roger Roger a lot, so... Of course, we had to have a medical battle droid. Um, his name is Blue because he's a blue stripe. I took him with me. Um, so, Kandurik might have some ill feelings toward me, but honestly, he always was kind of happy-go-lucky, but we'll see. Um, so, for the third and final episode, we're getting the, the, the last of the information that we need about Sovereign Station. And at this point is when Trent, Trent Thycrate joined our group. Tretsycrate is a special forces officer with Adderstol. Yes, is, the group was called Adderstol. Yes, Adderstol is, is an attachment to the Triteri Region Battalion, whatever they were called. Yeah, they're basically the ground special forces for the area. And another group, the, like the pilot group, the. The Rogue Squadron was called Ghost Squadron. Basically, the campaign had a type of thing that you would see in the movies. Uh, they had a Rogue Squadron. They had a Special Forces group. They had their their home one called the Kalaroon and, and that kind of thing. So, uh, Trent joined us. Um, I can't remember the first adventure, but it was something really geared toward him. I think one of our bases was being destroyed, and we were trying to get all the information off of it or something. 
because I remember there was an urgency to it, and that's why when he came in and I said, don't worry, I'm a computer specialist or something stupid like that, it actually was, um, it was funny and quite a good Star Wars moment, which is probably why I remember that I said it, but it was just really stupid and awkward too. But anyway, something was going on that I think the Calaroon actually was being... Yeah, there was a spy on the Calaroon that they had to root out. Um, there was, a, there was a, a particular sense of urgency because we were being chased down by something. But we had just taken, at the end of the second episode, a Star Destroyer for ourselves. Yes, the Star Destroyer had been in a big conflict. Uh, the Star Destroyer's name was the Glorious. They were able to... The, the original idea of the adventure was that they were supposed to blow it up. But the characters, being player characters, were deciding that they wanted to steal the Star Destroyer. So I said... Sure, what the heck. So they threw hook and crook, a lot of Jedi lightsaber swinging and uh, blaster fire were able to steal the ship. And I asked the group what they wanted to call it. And because of what had been going on in the campaign, they brilliantly decided to call the Star Destroyer the Sacrifice. So the Sacrifice was a large character in and of itself in the game for quite some time with the Empire wishing to find it, hunt it down. It was something that had never happened uh, in the Star Wars universe at that point. So it was a prime candidate and it the Sacrifice's conclusion actually was a huge space battle where Grek's mentor, Aline, was killed aboard the ship. And so kind of left him uh, on his own and with his young, uh, slightly rebellious apprentice as they usually are as the campaign went along. So um, with all of that, Trent joins our group and he's a special forces guy who's super... Gung ho, he he has. To, well, I shouldn't say that. He wasn't gung ho. It was he was proficient. That that's the better word. He was very proficient with weapons. He was a career soldier. Um, he was the only one in our group who had ever had heavy weapons training, like ever. We've been playing for about three years at this point, so he can shoot those really fancy sniper rifles on the tripods and. Yeah, he's got heavy weapons. He's got a specialty in starship weaponry. Um, and he's sneaky. He And he's very strong. Uh, so he joins our group. And we continue to get the final pieces of the mystery of where Sovereign Station is. Um, in the process of it, there are various different side missions that we perform. One of them was on Moncal or whatever, Mon Calamari. There was a water world uh, called Waria that I had created. And once again, kind of like in the, the main canon or canon at the time, it was 
kind of a Mon Calamari style world. Basically, is mostly a water world with jellyfish, sentient jellyfish people that lived on it. That's right. I don't remember exactly what was about the mission, but I do remember that I, um, as Morgan, failed a role and started having a claustrophobic fit in the middle of the tunnel as we were trying to swim someplace urgently. We were escaping something. Again, no notes, but basically Trent Thycrate came back and rescued and pulled me through and talked me through it. And pretty much from that point on, we were fast friends. Um, kind of a budding romance between the two mm -hmm. characters started there. So we find out where uh, Sovereign Station is. We get our fleet together and we go to attack to disrupt the waves that are going out over the region. The Sith evil spell waves that are uh, controlling all of these people to take down the rebellion from within. Um, so we get there and of course we split the group. Uh, Trent takes Charbaka and himself. They go one way and Grek and I go another because we are going after yeah, the two Sorry, groups, kind of like Return of the Jedi, uh, the two groups, one of them splits off to destroy the station, and the two Force users go off to confront the big bad uh, that is the High Guardian, uh, Jordan Talon, the Dark Jedi. So, from what I remember, Trent and Charbuck are fairly successful pretty quickly, Except for Trent gets hurt very, very badly during this. Like, crippled during... That was actually when they had to rescue you. Oh. Basically, they were able to set their charges, uh, make sure that the station could be destroyed within, as the big fleet was attacking the Star Destroyers that were defending the station, as they... Jedi went and confronted Talon. There was a big lightsaber battle, and at this point we're not using West End games. Uh, we're using the D20 system. Um, and there's a battle back and forth. Uh, there's battles over large areas where people can fall to their deaths because that's how you do a lightsaber battle. And... Yes, it, actually, um, Greg took most of the heat of that battle. I did try to help, but I didn't actually, until I remade the character for this particular iteration, didn't have the power of lightsaber combat. <laughs> like, I was also slightly dark side tainted, if I remember right, at this point. Um, it was actually a very interesting fight because... The heroes were losing the battle, um, but the game and even the D20 version had, if you took on dark side points, you would get temporary bonuses. So they started to do that to try to get the upper hand, which, which 
did work in some aspects, but did not work in others. And sadly, go ahead. Okay. All right. So, sorry, we had a little technical difficulty there for a moment. So, they had to use some dark side points uh, to try to defeat the big bad guy. Sadly, however, it did not work. Uh, Grek had fallen to the Dark Jedi, and Morrigan had been captured at that point. He was able to leave the station, however, in its death throes, basically, because the mission to destroy the station had worked. He had taken her to a Sith world where a rescue mission was put together by Trent, Charbaka, and bringing some of their allies to get Morgan back. In a grand show, in a blaster lightsaber battle again, they were able to eventually save Morgan, thereby ending that campaign with the destruction of Sovereign Station and the death of the big bad, uh, the High Guardian, uh, Joran Talon. So, fast forward five years. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to start this one about five years after. So, if you want to say about five years after Return of the Jedi... Um, I'm not taking the new canon, uh, as people like to say, the Disney canon, probably uh, into account here. I'm not going to probably also follow the extended universe canon too closely. However, there are some big items that I think I will use. Uh, one of them is the Great Trilogy uh, by Timothy Zahn. The Thrawn Trilogy, the Dark Empire uh, comics, and the Jedi Academy Trilogy of books. So those things will probably be touchstones in the campaign if we play that long. But right now, there's some rumors that something's going on in the setting. That the Imperials are starting to make odd movements as... There is a push to kind of reorganize the remnant of the Empire at this point. And Ellen knows uh, a lot about Star Wars, as, as I do, so she kind of knows what's going on at this point. Basically, this is the start of the Thrawn campaign. Um, once again, though, Triteri Sector while close to the action, is still outside of the action. So a lot of what she's going to be doing is just going to kind of be on the periphery of this conflict. So in five years, Trent and Morgan are married, but they have no children. Um, Trent is... You heard it here first, people, because I did not know this. So <laughs> she's making it up as she goes along. No, I've been thinking about this. <laughs> Steve did ask me to think about this. So <laughs> um, we're married, no children. 
due to the crippling injury that he had received, I believe, to his leg. Yes, it was to his leg. Um, during the rescue mission, um, at the end of our campaign, he is no longer able to serve consistently in the field as a special uh, special forces officer. However, Not that he doesn't go, but he's been kind of sidelined. However, he does train, um, and it has helped in the effort to organize the New Republic's forces in the sector out of, I don't even know where this would be. Um, actually, for the beginning of this campaign, the uh, fleet will be kind of the base of operations for the group. Um, and Trent Thycrate is a commander who is aboard the Calaroon. And basically, the Calaroon is a large Mon Calamari star cruiser. Um, I've been away from home. Morgan has been away from home for... Close to 10 years at this point. Um, With the war and five years. At least five years. Okay. Um, one of the things that she's always promised herself is that she would go back to see and support those who would support the hut not being the ruler of, of uh, Allmarsh. To get Allmarsh out from underneath that family's thumb. Right. So that'll probably be the the first idea, the first story uh, in this campaign. Basically, Morgan returning to the area to see what's going on, to see how the area has changed over the last five years with the destruction of the Emperor, the death of the Emperor, and hopefully liberating her planet from the crime, the seedy side, the the high haven of scum and villainy that it has become. Um, as far as I know, my older brother is still around. My younger brother was injured, but he didn't die, I don't think. No, he did not die. Um, so there's that. There's a few other uh, NPCs that I remember of note from our original campaign, but that is where we are at when we start. There's um, a reoccurring bounty hunter named... Ron Mossman? No. Midlothan? That guy. No, because Trent Thycrate, I think... Oh, blew him away. Shoot him in, shot him That's in the right. head. Took Never care mind. of him. Never mind. You're right. You're right. You're good. He's taken care of. Don't worry about him. He has no family members that would ever want to avenge his death at all. At all. At all. Nope. Not at all. Pretty sure? Pretty sure. Uh. Um. <laughs> I forgot about that. The look that. I gave her wasn't very conf uh, confidence building. I, uh. I forgot about that. Um. So Trent is a Carillion. Um. I'm from Allmarsh. Uh. Gruck is gone. Charbaka, I believe, is with Kendarik, because they always agreed that they would be partners. But when we ended, he was not with Kendarik. I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to do it, 
because at the end of the campaign, Tarbaka was getting very interested in Adat walkers for some reason, and really wanted to command a group of them. So maybe <laughs> the large Wookiee that has very has a lot of trouble communicating with normal folk of the galaxy might be in charge of an Adat walker squadron. So there you hear it. Okay. <laughs> Still, still uh, brainstorming that idea, though. Um, so there, there you have it. Um, Kendarik is out there with his fleet of smuggler ships. Evidently, Charbaka might be might be commanding a fleet of walkers, and I'm headed back to Allmarsh. Trent will be staying with the fleet, um, at least at first, and then. Um, there you there you have it. So basically, we're going into a campaign that's going to feel a lot more Wild Westish or uh, Fireflyish than or Lone Gunman. I don't know. Um, <laughs> then it will be like the polished prequel sort of feel. Um, it'll be dirtier and grittier because that's the world that will be based off of. She'll. She'll still be kind of the only, it'll still be a lot of very rebel-like ideas. The New Republic is around, uh, if you know about Star Wars lore. However, this area has not really been too high on the New Republic's priority list. Uh, I have talked to Ellen, she would kind of like, instead of just a transport and a pilot uh, she would kind of like to have a capital ship and maybe maybe some people at her back kind of leading a small force so this small force that she's going to lead and I haven't actually narrowed down exactly what I'm going to do with this small force but this small force is going to be pretty much the only idea of the New Republic in the area so the Empire is still basically the Empire in the area. Um, and that and the differences of what it is now as opposed to what it is when the Empire was around, when the Emperor, sorry, was around, will kind of come out as we play. The far-reaching ability and power of the Hut uh, named Gruda uh, will kind of be revealed more and more as we play and basically what has been going on in the area for the last five years with uh, the heroes being gone and fighting the good fight setting up the new republic in other areas of the galaxy so now that we're roundabout um background because uh, i tend to ramble that's just a thing that happens i'm sorry um now that we're to the campaign that we will be running, um, Steve has opted, as he said earlier, to run in Weston Gaines D6 system. Um, I'm sure before we actually get started on our first game session, we'll do a brief overview of, of how it works. How mm -hmm. it works. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Weston Games was chosen because it was easy, as he said earlier. He knows it and he has all the books. And I have a lot of the books, yes, yes. And it's easy for the player to pick up, and 
I've ran the system so long, so many times that if I really need to, I can have the base book in front of me and just go with the flow on the rest and uh, have my notes for what I want to do that game and I'm not going to need a stack of books. So hopefully uh, while we're playing, there's not going to be a lot of dead air while I look stuff up. Um, so there's that. Steve has been running Star Wars for more than 20 years. I started in 1992. I'd, I'd played the original. I'd played first edition when I was in elementary school with a couple friends. Uh, just a couple times. Really, really liked it. However, I think my GM didn't really think that I got what it was to roleplay very well. But I really enjoyed it. Uh, and then when the second edition came out, uh, for all of you West End Games fans out there, the blue book with Vader's face on the cover, uh, I started to run that in 1992. Um, Steve has, I don't know who's going to be listening to this, but Steve has run games in various different incarnations, and not just Star Wars, D&D, Spies, uh, what, what was that? Superheroes, uh, um... Vampire. Vampire. I've ran, I've ran people. I've pretended that my friends were vampires, werewolves, super spies, superheroes, Jedi, uh, criminal and supernatural investigators, um, members of Starfleet, uh, ghosts... Um, and probably a lot more that I can't remember. So it's making me sound a little weird now. So I think I'll stop. <laughs> I have been role-playing um, since probably 1995 or 6. Um, and I actually started with uh, Vampire LARP rather than with D&D where most people start. My first actual long-term tabletop experience was weirdly enough Star Wars West End Games was Steppenroy running so <laughs> um, but since then I have actually oh and remember she never wanted to play and I didn't want to play you're right um, I have been role playing in a tabletop game fairly consistently for the past 20 years all of them was Steve running. So that's kind of a background. He's pretty experienced in keeping things moving in a forward type direction. Um, is also fairly um, used to the fact that I tend to ramble and can direct that pretty easily as well, at least within the confines of a game. Um, I will say, though, that this one-on-one -on -one game, I had run some games in the past that were kind of one-shots. Uh, I, There was a game that I ran, a superhero game, that Ellen was in, of course. Um, and it was an ensemble game, but then I would run one-shots for people, basically, where it was just me and one player doing a story for a night, kind of uh, filling in various background stuff that couldn't be filled in in the overarching story. So for a Star Wars context, say, the main game was the saga, the, the at this point, the nine movies, 
and then I would run a solo, you know, uh, story for someone. Um, whatever you think about the movie, we don't need to comment on, on it here. Uh, so this is actually kind of a new thing for, I'm not, I don't want to speak for Ellen, but definitely for me. So it will be somewhat of an exploration if we can make this entertaining for ourselves uh, as a secondary thought, uh, entertaining for anybody that wishes to listen to it, and kind of stretch our role-playing um, acumen, or our role-playing skills, uh, talents, as we try to keep a game going. I envision this game to be a lot more role-playing. Uh, yes, it is Star Wars, though, so I want big space battles. I want lightsaber combat. So, but but there's probably going to be a lot more interaction between uh, Morgan and the NPCs that isn't that. And I, I know that I think Ellen would enjoy that more, so I'm kind of also trying to pattern the game to uh, the player that I have. I do get bored rolling dice for hours on end. Yes, so, and... Rolling dice is probably not uh, a great way to entertain people for an hour. So, <laughs> when you can't see it, when you can't see it especially, when you can't see it especially, that's very true. Um, so, Steve and I have played with doing something like this for quite some time, probably about a year. I've had a YouTube channel made and named. Since, yeah, I think about January of 2019. For quite a while. Um, it might not be there anymore, just, just so you know. No, it's still there. Okay. Uh, it just doesn't have anything on it. Um, the name of the channel um, is Royville. Uh, and, and if you are listening to this podcast, you probably already know that. Um, <laughs> we will do this. Um Whatever the name of the campaign will start to be the name of the specific. I was kind of thinking of that, and I'm thinking like Morgan Tretschke versus the Pirates of Penzance or something like that. (laughs) Um, You know, kind of the old like Flash Gordon uh, style serials. Um, But we're, I'm still troubleshooting. I'm still thinking about that. So we'll see. So once we have a name for the campaign, we'll have a name for the playlist. We'll have a name for this specific series of audios. Um, we'll put it up after I edit, which actually tonight probably won't have very much editing, but it'll have a little because, as I said before, I ramble. Um, so <clears throat> the idea is that we'll have a couple of different ones up. We'll probably have at least one that's consistent with Steve and I just talking um, like we're doing right now. And then um, probably one where I finish the stupid project of the bad movie, good movie review thing that I had started. I'm thinking about making Steve watch the bad movies with me, but I don't think that he'll sit for that. So um, I don't like bad movies. I don't like good movies, like Zapped. (laughs) Look it up. Scott Baio, Willie Ames, look it up. I also am not sure that he would sit for many of the good movies either. Because number one is still Citizen Kane and Ugg. But, um, so just look for some of that and we'll post all of that. But basically this is our virgin 
foray into this. Um, so please be kind. Very kind. I cry easily. I cried over a character sheet. That's true. So, uh, if you like it, uh, let us know. Um, I think that Ellen will have the comments, uh, so that is a thing. Uh, if you have any questions about the campaign, um, past things that we've done, um, some hints about what we should do in the, the future of the campaign, uh, as long as it's family friendly, please let us know. Um, and like I said, we'll probably have at least one where we sit and talk like we did tonight over different topics. Um, Steve has a very long history with running games and knowing geeky things, as do I. So we'll It's kind of my bread and butter. We'll probably pick a topic once a month, maybe once every other week, and just do this. And if nobody listens to it except for us, for our own amusement, so much the better. So be it. <laughs> but anyway, one last question. Okay. Who shot first? Well, obviously Han did. That's, you know. And yes, Greedo is not dead. He was just sleeping. He will be back, just so you know. But yes, Han shot first. Whoever says that he didn't is a liar. <laughs> Thank you. And on that note. Happy Life Day. Happy Life Day.